0: Hello, thank you for joining us. My name is Matt Phillips, and you're listening to One Chat Live, Episode Three. So, this episode was recorded on the day of the Berlin Marathon, um, and it was Eliud Kipchoge trying to get a new world record. Um, and spoiler alert: he did. He managed it. He got a two one thirty nine, which meant he beat Dennis Kometo's previous record by over a minute. Uh, so, it was an incredible day. Um, but in this episode, anyway, I was answering a question from Jack Chu of the Physio Matters podcast, which all therapists should really be listening to and be aware of. If you're not, then look them up and subscribe. Um, and the question from Jack was, how much should we tweak the running technique and form of a pain-free runner? OK, we know if they're injured, we can offload tissues and do a variety of things. But what about if they just want to improve performance? So that was uh, the topic for this episode. And um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, If you do, then please do remember to like and share. Um, We're all over the board now as a podcast. We're on iTunes. um, We're on uh, Spotify, uh, Podbean, who hosts us, um, Stitcher. So do go subscribe, like, etc. to help get the good word out there. Um, And hopefully I will join you at a later date listening to episode number four. Um, why my legs? I've been watching the Berlin Marathon on on Twitter, as you do. Um, and it's getting very exciting. I don't know if anyone's watching it, but it looks like Kipchok is about to get um, a world, a new world record if he continues the pace he is. Um, I think they're at 40k or something, and he's ahead um, at the moment. So, but hey, I've decided to sacrifice my enjoy. Hi, Ian. you all right. So, you're not watching the Berlin Marathon either. I decided to sacrifice my enjoyment of the Berlin Marathon because I said I was going to do this and I want to try and keep the time regular. So, um, hi Mike, you're right. You're not watching the Berlin Marathon either. Can people kind of type what's happening in the Berlin Marathon just so I can read it when it comes up? That'd be great because that's what I'm thinking of at the moment. Um, But anyway, so... um, if you joined us now, then thanks for tuning in. If not, remember, you can always watch this recording later on um, in the comfort of your own schedule. Um, so it's the third of um, three just informal chats we're going to do from the clinic here at Studio 57. Should have another little look at where I am Sunday morning? <laughs> this is where all the action starts About well, about 45 minutes. Um, from Studio 57 in Hove where I work on Sundays because like I say where the people need me I will be that's my motto and the way I live but anyway so what am I going to talk about today well I put some questions out there on various social media on Instagram and that to see what people would like to hear me ramble on about. And the main one that stood out was from Mr. Jack Chu, the chiseled mank from Physio Matters podcast. Um, And he asked me to articulate my views on to what extent would I try and change a runner's gait who comes in for gait analysis. Um, But he's not in any pain um, and he just wants to get that PB or he just wants to become a better runner so in other words how much can i influence performance by making tweaks to a runner's running form pretty interesting topic um a tricky one because as always one of the things that i try and do and um and it's kind of the niche of people that i sit in is very much have we got any evidence for it um because as soon as you leave evidence-based practice you open up the doors to all sorts of pseudoscience and anecdotal evidence and and some things which may be worth trying but you've got to realize there's no proof they're going to work and you mustn't chase them you've got to have a pyramid of evidence-based first stuff first of all and then if that's all covered then work your way up a little bit if you're really stuck and there's not a good evidence-based practice to follow then maybe start trying the other stuff but as hopefully we'll see through these broadcasts, a lot of people when it comes to running injury and performance will start with non-evidence, non-evidence based practice at the top of the pyramid, which I'm not saying you should totally ignore. Well, some of it may be, but they'll go straight, for example, to acupuncture because their Achilles hurts rather than starting off with more evidence-based, um, heavy loading, um, abstaining maybe from stretching. If it's, um, an insertion Achilles problem, um, because, Unfortunately, runners will always go for the quick fix and also they'll go for the most attractive option. Um, and that comes into gait analysis as well, because runners will look at the pictures, they'll look at the blurb and the more scientific it looks, um, the more flashy lights, the more theatre, um, then uh, the more likely they are to go and spend their money. Um, in fact, Ian Griffiths is watching now, once accused me of theatre. Oh my God, I look like Adam Meekins when I frown. Anyway, yeah, Ian Griffiths once um, asked about body marking. If you're not following Ian, and watch him Sports Pod. Him and Craig Payne have got some fantastic um, information on looking at the foot end of running. Um, too much emphasis is placed on um, from the hips down. Um, obviously, it can work the other way up from foot upwards. And Ian Griffiths and Craig Payne um, are my go to people for looking at when indeed. You know, you might miss that foot up approach. Or indeed looking at everything but not forgetting about the foot. Anyway. Yeah, so Ian Griffiths once asked me, why do you do body marking, Matt? What's the idea of felt tipping people with four-gate analysis? Um and I obviously defended it being loyal to my company and Stride UK. Um, but in actual fact, I mean at the time, now we don't use body marking, now we've got depth sensing cameras, um, which allow us to get a digital imprint of the person without having to do any body marking, which is fantastic. But at the time, we were conscious that body marking, potentially, as long as you didn't go down any red herring roads, was better than just using the naked eye in some cases. It made it a little bit easier to for, for, for angles and things to stand out when you stand back and look globally. Um, but also, let's not lie, the body marking was part of, I don't like the word theatre, but it was part of the, the same way as you wipe down a couch and put on a clean bit of paper before you bring someone into the clinic. Okay, it's part of the package which makes runners feel comfortable, which opens up their ears, um, which then allows you to look at the individual rather than just focusing on their ankle, which is hurting. So we don't use body marking anymore, but definitely it's marketing, isn't it? Not in a bad way. It's just marketing in the sense of there you go. You forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I didn't forget about it and I'll find you. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's um, it's not theatre. It's just well, why am I talking about this? Oh, because you have to be aware that runners will migrate towards the flashiest, most fancy equipment. And um, as I said in the first broadcast, we did um, how fancy and technical and the data you're your uh, equipment produces with gait analysis means nothing means absolutely nothing if you're making bad interpretations if you're not following the evidence okay um, And i'm even more aware of that now using motion metrics um because it's a fantastic bit of kit and it's the bit of kit which i trained people in kenya recently um and i'm very confident in it and and i'm happy to do great workshops anywhere using the kit but I'm just as quick. If not, the first thing I'll say is this bit of kit is useless unless Martin, how are you doing? Talking of Kenya. Here's one of the lovely gentlemen and physios I met um, in Kenya during my time there. Um, physio, Kenyan physio. So check him out. It's, oh, check him out just to be a better person. That's what I like to say about Martin. Um, hi, Martin. Hope you're well. Um, but anyway, yeah, your flashy gate analysis kit is useless unless you know how to interpret it. So there was my 10 minute introduction, of what we're talking about today. So, yeah. So um, Jack Chu's question was, Matt, when do you change someone's form if it's not actually, you know, they're not in pain or anything. That was my mank accent. Um, so yeah, great question. When people come to see us um, and they're not in pain and they just want to run faster or run longer for in you know, a quicker period of time, there's obviously all sorts of temptations to, to, to give them something revolutionary give them something new you've got this fantastic kit and the last thing you want to do is actually say uh you know what mate it's all looking pretty good your running form's fine you know but um sometimes that's going to be the case one because maybe you haven't got any evidence to suggest otherwise (sighs) pass my regards to the chew i will do my friend martin i will do um yeah sometimes because you haven't got evidence to suggest otherwise and sometimes more importantly is because there's something more evidence-based which is holding back their performance okay so again if you haven't checked out the first uh, broadcast i did on gait analysis then maybe go back and have a little look um but again using that pyramid idea i can't see above the comments now doing the pyramid idea we know that and definitely with injury 60 70 percent of injuries are because of inappropriate training um and then we know to a certain extent better than any other um, application that strength training can hold people back the whole philosophy and idea behind the elastic recoil exchange and all that if you haven't got the strength in those springs then that's going to hold you back okay so strength is very important and also we know that there's a lot of myths out there which um runners of all levels go chasing um in in seeking improvements performance and particularly in getting rid of injury or reducing injury risk which we can either say "Mm, probably not very likely or you know what it's just you're running up a, a i can't think of the expression you're just chasing you're going down a rabbit hole it's just there's no evidence for it i know it's expressed um, in massive red letters all over the websites but you haven't got a at 180 steps a minute mate I'm sorry it just doesn't make sense and maybe um, your performance is being held back by that so do we tweak a runner's form when they're coming in and they're not suffering from pain number one rule go through the more evidence based stuff first of all don't skip it go through their case history the fact that the runner has come through the door to see you probably means there's something up okay unless they've won a voucher or a friend just said i'll go and check them out but even when a friend says go check them out there's probably something in their back of their mind which is even if they're not injured that they feel they're, they're they're being held back i've had people come from the states who have come all the way here and i've checked in the emails like in an educated professional way like saying why the hell are you coming all the way from las vegas to hove OK, what is it that you're hoping to get here that you're not getting in the States with all the information you've got there? And again, because a certain amount of the attractions are, they must know other stuff over the pond. It works both ways. We think America is so far advanced with their technology, but they think we are as well. So, again, I have to make sure before someone travels that far, I mean, that was quite an extreme example. But even coming from the north, from Nottingham or, or somewhere even higher, um, then, then I want to make sure that the reasons why they're coming down. So anyway, they come through the door. The fact they've come to see you and they're willing to spend money is that something's up, okay? And maybe it's the belief that their running form is not working, is not right. Maybe it's that belief which... Hi, Francis O'Massage. Is that your surname? That's a fantastic career you're in if that's your name, Francis O'Massage. Anyway, um, yeah, maybe the belief that their running form is not right is what's actually holding them back okay so that's an important thing to consider in the case history and the and the and the consultation and that so let's imagine that a runner you've covered their case history you've covered their beliefs they're not purposely trying to do something which might not be true or might not be helping them what about um if all that's covered and then you get them on the treadmill what is it that you might see which you might decide you know what let's try tweaking this let's have a play around with these bits of the puzzle and see how it goes well we've covered it before on hi chris right um we've covered it before on the other um or various podcasts and stuff but there's kind of four or five hot areas where we know we can tweak areas which although there's no one perfect running style we know that there's similarities between the best forms out there. Um, so we're talking now about your cadence. We're talking about now about um, how close the foot is landing to the body, i.e. are the overstriding. Um, we could link it in to the amount of movement in the pelvis, either laterally or particularly laterally. Maybe there's less evidence anterior and posterior, but we could look at that. Remember, this is for a runner who isn't in pain whatsoever. Um, we could look at crossover. Um, tricky again, because for every bit of evidence which links crossover gait to maybe I don't know, really a tibial band syndrome or tibial stress syndrome, there's another bit of research which shows there's not a link. Um, with performance, the evidence is almost never going to be there because it's very difficult to get quality research for performance because there's so many other factors. You can't rule out nutritional change, recovery change. And um, you can try and make some factors act the same, but you can never pinpoint it and narrow it down to it must be this that's causing the benefit. So it does turn into a little bit of a guessing game. Um, and I think that's probably one of the healthiest things to to um, get across to your runner is. Help them realize that it's not black and white, that if you're going to if you if you're suggesting that their cadence is particularly low. For the speed that they're running at. Um, notice I said for the speed they're running at. Um, maybe that low cadence is creating a high vertical oscillation or something. Which you think may be wasting um, energy and reducing their efficiency. If the kind of science you've got adds up. Then let them know we should try this. Okay, Not if they've got like a, uh, uh, an important race coming up in the next few weeks. Because we know it's going to take at least four to six weeks for habit to change and that's what you're playing with um but if they're in a period of their training where where it is after races or in a kind of a progressive season or cycle where they are kind of tweaking stuff and they've got that luxury to be able to 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 change things then yeah give them some ideas to play around with and try um i'm i'm not a massive fan of that expression if it ain't broken then don't try and fix it i think it's a little bit kind of polar and and, and the fact the person's come through the door means they're looking for some help. Um, don't jump straight to trying to, uh, the word fix is wrong, but don't jump, jump straight to trying to modify the biomechanics. Uh, make sure you look at the stuff at the bottom of the pyramid first of all. But I think tweaking a runner's form when you've got particular things that they're doing which have been linked to more or less successful running forms. I think that's perfectly healthy at the right time of year. And it's something where you might really help them um, by either reducing their cadence, um, trying to uh, increase their cadence, um, maybe doing some gait retraining to increase their width, uh, their step or something, Um, maybe trying to get them to run taller or reduce the amount of flexion in the knee. There's plenty of variables we can play around with, but it is a bit of a game. And you just let your runner know that we're going to try this. We're going to try and keep all other factors the same because otherwise... You know, how do we know that this made the difference? Um, and, uh, and and we'll get back together and see how it's going. Um, I think that's a healthy thing to do. Right, where are we? What time is it? Has the Berlin Marathon finished yet? Is anyone watching it? Can it have finished? Forward in a, no, it must be in nearly the end. Is anyone watching the Berlin Marathon? anyone let me know what's going on? Because I need my phone. OK, well, it's 1017 hi brad how are you going brad nice to see you wow people are actually joining today this is incredible well i'm rounding out to an end because i'm really keen to see what's going on at the berlin marathon um but anyway so uh to round things up um gait analysis how much do you this was jack choose question how much do you tweak someone's running form if they're not on in any pain and they've literally just come in because they want a performance enhancement of some form um in a nutshell, before you do any of that, make sure that the more evidence based um, parts of the pyramid um, are covered as in their training consistency, as in their strength training, um, as in their nutrition, their recovery, as in false beliefs, which could be holding them back or making them chase um, Yeah, false beliefs. You've got to cover all of that. And that's what we said in the first Um, broadcast about gait analysis is not just about the treadmill okay definitely not it's about the three triangles of taking a case history and having the conversation that comes from that it's about the physical assessment so you you know if there's strength potential strength deficits or maybe mobility deficits although personally again my bias is i believe that too much emphasis is put on mobility deficits Um, it's about uh, challenging any misconceptions or miseducation they've got and then once you've got that major part pieces of the puzzle then put them on the treadmill and and only start changing things once that's covered um and that's it so sorry if you just join me brad and um, what i'm gonna it depends i have clinic today i've got somebody in like 20 minutes so it all depends on the train coming in but i'll try and do these if they're popular it's great to see a few people actually still watching um, but i'll try and do these like uh, around 9 15 9 but it depends on a lot of factors because i got two kids so um it depends a lot on that so i'm going to sign off now and hopefully let you watch what i've talked about as always um, feel free to leave comments um, i want this to be educated for everybody including myself uh, particularly when we've got people like Brad Neal who if you're not following then you have to follow he's again a go-to guy for the biomechanics of running especially knee orientated um, you've got like I said Ian Griffiths who's a go-to guy for the podiatry side of things in running which is either ignored too much of the time or is full of myths and conceptions as, as Ian introduces all of us to at some point in our career um so yeah um please leave notes if there's anything you don't agree with or stuff which you think it might be interesting for us to talk about i don't know whether runners are going to watch this or therapists and um, we'll see as it goes by it's only number three or three anyway i've got to uh, get ready and see um, how kipchok is doing thanks for tuning in and um, see you next sunday around nine you're listening to run chat live podcast putting the evidence back into running injury and performance